get into the word today. Let's get into the word today. Proverbs chapter 18. I don't have this one on the screen. It's a verse we've been using um, throughout this series called Sticks and Stones. Proverbs 18, 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. It's important for you and I to understand today that our words have power. And so we've been talking in this series, the first sermon in the series, it was all about the power of our words and just a general foundational thought. And then we talked about how the words come, our words come out of the abundance of our heart. That's what Jesus says. And so we talked about how to get our heart right so that our words can be right. And today, um, today I want to get into how we talk to other people. And then next week, Next week, we'll be dealing with our words, our weapons, and we'll talk about how to use our words as weapons in a good way, in a good way, not in a bad way, um, how to use our words as weapons in a good way. And so we'll be talking about that next Sunday, and then my dad's going to finish us up on our first Wednesday in March as he'll, he'll complete the series for us in, in talking about how we are using our words and God's word specifically for ourselves, and so um, how God can bless us through that. But today, I want to talk about our words or my words are, my words are. Something Jesus always did is when Jesus was teaching, he would say, the kingdom of God is like, you know, and he would always give this kind of illustration. And so today I want to kind of follow his lead. And I want to tell you that my words are like, and we're going to give you five different things that your words and my words are like today. So if you're taking notes today, you're going to write down those five things and I'll give them to you in just a few minutes. Uh, Before we jump into it, I just want to let you know the impact of those words. Yesterday at our house, um, we have uh, glasses. Everybody has glasses at their house, right? You put water in your glasses. And so Perry was getting some gla- a glass out of the counter. And as she got the glass out of the counter, um, you know how sometimes you stack little glasses, like the short little glasses? She had, uh, there was one stacked on top of another one. And she was trying to pull one glass out. And she just forgot how strong she was. And she broke that joker. I mean, just snapped it. And, um, and so she broke the glass. Well, she cleaned it all up and threw it all away. Well, a few hours later, I'm in the kitchen, and as I'm in the kitchen, I drop something on the ground, and I put my hand on the counter, and I reach over to pick it up, and whenever I did, I felt something kind of burning in my hand, and, and, uh, and so I, I, I lifted up my hand, and there was this little shard of glass that was stuck in my hand, and so I plucked the little shard of glass out and threw it away and didn't think anything about it, and a few minutes later, I looked down, and there's blood everywhere. There's blood everywhere. And I looked down and that little bitty piece of glass had, had cut me so small, so tiny, but it had a big impact because it just kept bleeding and kept bleeding and kept bleeding. And I just want you to know today that our words may be small and they may seem insignificant to you at the moment, but the words that you and I say can have a big impact on everybody's life around us, even though it may not look big in the beginning. You may think, oh, it's just a joke, or I was just teasing, but what we don't realize is the impact that those words have on someone's life as they move forward. My mom and I were talking after last last Sunday's message, and one of the things she was telling me was that she, uh, when she was in language school in, in Costa Rica, whenever they were missionaries for the first time, um, the, the, one of the teachers said something derogatory about her grammar and how she spoke Spanish. And she said, Gabriel, you know, from that point forward, I've always remembered those negative words. They stuck with me. And it was just a joke that the teacher was telling, but it impacted my life. I always thought about that. So when I would go back to her class, I would never use grammar. Like I would just be quiet. I wouldn't talk because of the impact of small words. 
And so it's important for us to understand that today because here's the thing. We're going to speak to our spouses. We're going to speak to our kids. We're going to speak to our grandkids. We're going to speak to our coworkers. We're going to speak to our parents. We're going to be talking to people the rest of our lives. Some of you talk more than others, right? Some of us are really good at it. Some of us are very quiet, probably good. And, and we talk a lot, and we're going to be talking to people, and we need to understand what's happening every time those words leave our mouth, the impact that it could have. There's a quote I read. I'm going to give you a couple of quotes. And this, this first quote says this, Be careful with your words. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. Once words are said, it's impossible to take them back. Once you say that word, once it flies out of your mouth, you can't get it back. It's like if you ever busted a, 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 a feather pillow, you know, in pillow fights. I remember as a, as a kid going to kids camp and youth camp and you get into these pillow fights and inevitably somebody's going to hit somebody with a feather pillow and the thing busts and feathers go everywhere. You can't get those feathers back. You can't get those back. My kids, my kids are, it's, it's my boys. I know it's my boys. Um, and and I, every time I go into their bathroom, there is toothpaste all over the counter. And there's a, the toothpaste tube is sitting there and it looks like the Hulk has just crushed it on the middle, right? Because they don't understand you roll it up, you squeeze it out. You know, you, you kind of move the toothpaste up the tube. Not my boys. My boys just grab it and just squeeze and just hope something comes out. And then they just throw it down. And when I go in there, there's toothpaste hard everywhere on the counter. And here's the thing. Once the toothpaste leaves the, tooth, the, the, the tube, you can't put it back in. It's out. It's out permanently. Or like glitter. Like if you were to think about glitter, like if you look around, some of you right now, you're sitting in glitter. I see chairs shining. I see chairs shining. And I'm not going to say who it was. I'm not going to say it was Erica's daughter, but it might have been Jay's daughter came in one day with a glitter dress on. And she sat in every seat she could put her bottom on. And that glitter has remained since Christmas can't get it back. We tried to get it back. Erica keeps saying she's going to try to get it back. She has yet to take it back. Glitter. So our words like glitter. I should have written that. That should have been part of the sermon. It's not, but it should have been. So let's talk about our words. Let's talk about what they're like. My words, first of all, my words are like seeds. My words are like seeds. There's a quote, my second quote. My quote is this. It says this, words are seeds. This one rhymes. Words are seeds that do more than blow around. They land in our hearts and not the ground. Be careful what you plant and careful what you say. You might have to eat what you planted one day. That's good. That's good, right? I wish that was in the Bible. That's really good. I don't know who said it. It's an unknown, unknown author. If I would have said something that good, I would have taken credit for it. I don't know what that guy was thinking. Here's what Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says. It says this, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow and produce seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It's the same with my word. I'm going to stop right there. I I want you to understand something. God says it's the same with his word. His word is similar to that. His word can be seed for the sower and bread for the hungry. And so the first thing I want to talk to you about is this, is that our words are seeds and they are sown and planted in the lives of everybody we come in contact with. And the problem with seeds is seeds will sprout and produce fruit. So we need to be conscious what kind of seeds we're sowing into other people. Think about that. 
Think about the seeds you sow. Think about the people around you. Think about your children or little kids that are around you. And they hear the words you say, even if you don't think they hear you. Trust me, they hear the words you say. They hear the way you talk to the people around you. They hear the way you talk to your spouse. They hear the way you talk to your parents. They hear the way they, that you talk to your coworkers. They hear you on the phone when you're in the car. They hear you in the car when someone cuts you off and you begin to say all kinds of things about that person, right? We're sowing seeds. We're sowing seeds all the time. There's a funny story I heard. A little boy um, went up to his mother one day. His dad was outside fixing the car and he came up to his mother and he said, Mom, can I please go help dad fix the car? I know all the words. Some of you will get that later when you're fixing your car. You're like, I know those words too. Listen, our words are seeds. And we need to be careful where we sow them. We need to be careful what words we're sowing into other people's lives. And you need to understand something before we move on to the rest of the message. We're going to talk about how words can be encouraging and how words can be uplifting and all that stuff too. And that's a good thing to understand that as I sow seed, As I spread my words out, it's going to be a seed that you can take. It's going to be a seed that can can produce a good fruit or a negative fruit in your life. I remember one time I shared shared a story a couple weeks ago about how how someone's words impacted my my preaching, right? Um, Well, I'll tell another story. So uh, one time I had this guy and he was like a mentor to me and, and, uh, and, and he was in the ministry and I was young. I was a teenager. I don't know. I was probably 16, 16 years old. And, and I remember going and sitting down at Tenda Chick in Auburn. It was, it was not Chick-fil-A. This is, this is before Chick-fil-A came to Auburn. It was not Guthrie's, although Guthrie's was like the original place in Auburn. But, but it was Tenda Chick. It was kind of an off-brand place. And, and um, I don't know why I remember all this. But anyways, I sat down in Tenda Chick next to my friend, and he was speaking into my life. And one of the things, I'll never forget this as long as I live. One of the things I remember him telling me, he says, Gabriel, you'll probably never get a woman based on your looks. <laughs> I remember it. I remember it, man. I mean, it stuck with me. He said, but you've got a good personality and you're really funny. And that's probably going to help you along the way. How many of you guys want a mentor like that? Hey, buddy, guess what? You're ugly, but you're funny. Make it work for you. You know, figure it out. And it stuck with me. It stuck with me. That was a seed that was sown into my life. And, and there were times in my life I had to learn how to lean into that, right? My hair started falling out at some point. I had to learn to lean into my personality, right? So, so it, it's one of those things that you've got to understand that seeds will produce fruit. Now, those seeds could have produced some negative fruits, right? I, 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 I had my moments of being insecure growing up. Every teenage boy does probably. And, and you have those moments where you're a little insecure and, and all that. So those seeds probably fed into that too in a negative way. But then later on in my life, it fed into a positive way to know that, hey, looks isn't everything, that there's got to be some other aspects in my life, some character aspects that I need to lean into and I need to work on. So seeds can grow in our life. The second thing that our words are like is our words are like bread. So that verse we said, it's seed for the sower, but bread for the eater. In other words, when I have seed, all I do with seed is send seed out away from me. But bread, bread is something I consume, right? So in talking and using words, there's a couple of things that need to happen. You need to be able to use your words, but you also need to be able to consume someone else's words. Check out these verses. And and listen, today I'm going to give you guys a ton of scriptures 
So if you can't follow along with all the scriptures, taking notes, uh, shoot me an email or text me and I'll send you my notes. You can have all the scriptures. But here's what here's what James one um, nineteen says. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Proverbs 19, uh, 10, 19 says this too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. I love that verse. I love that one. Be sensible, be wise, be smart, and shut up. There are some of us in life, we just need to learn how to shut up. Now, if you're a little kid, do you have any kids in here? Bridget, am I going to get in trouble today? Saying shut up in church. If there's kids in here, listen, guys, I'm sorry. Don't tell your parents to shut up. Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. So sometimes, sometimes words are seeds and we speak them. Sometimes words are bread and we consume them. We have to learn how to listen to other people. We've got to learn how to consume what someone else is saying to us. If we're always talking, we are eventually going to get ourselves in trouble. I tell people all the time, one of my biggest uh, faults is actually one of my blessings. Like the, I have the ability to stand up in front of people and speak. And although I get nervous about aspects of what I do, I, I'm not scared to talk. Like this part is not the hard part. And, and, and so, um, so that's good. But the problem is there's also times when I get myself in trouble by talking too much. There are times whenever I'm talking to my wife and I know when those words are coming out of my mouth, I just want to grab them and put them back in, but I just can't do it, right? I've just talked too much and I will talk myself into trouble. And so sometimes it's better just to sit and listen. It's better to, to learn how to listen to people. And, and how do I listen? Here's a couple of things. I want to just give you little quick nuggets here. Number one, learn how to listen without judgment. Not, not everybody is coming to you to talk to you to get your judgment on what they're doing. If you want people, to, we, we talk in here all the time that it's good for you to confess and repent. We say that all the time. This is a habit that every Christian should do. We should be people that confess often. But here's the thing. If, if I come down here to the front and I say, hey, I want you to come down for prayer. Let me know what's going on. I want to pray with you. And the first time you come down for prayer, you say, hey, Gabriel, you know, you talked about words today and I've been using my words in the wrong way. And I say, well, you're a sinner and you need to get right. And let me tell you something about your life. You're terrible. And, and all of a sudden I just begin to judge you and berate you. You're never going to come down and, and confess again. I've told my kids before, I say, listen, if you get yourself in trouble, if you've done something wrong, if you have some kind of sin in your life, you come tell dad, you come talk to me, tell me about it. I am, I'm open to receive whatever problem you have without getting on to you. Now, if I find out about it and you don't tell me, whole another story, right? Judgment, judgment happens in. We need to learn to give people a safe place just to talk, just to talk. We need to learn how to give people a safe place to talk without blaming someone. There's been times, man, whenever Perry and I've talked about this in marriage, whenever whenever you have a conversation in marriage and, and you say, uh, hey, you know, Perry, I, I feel like I feel like you did this and I, I didn't really like it. And this is something that, that happened in our in our relationship. And, and I wish it wouldn't have happened. If the first thing she does is, say, well, it's your fault for, you know, well, then then I'm never going to communicate again. We've got to be willing to communicate without blame. You've got to give people a place 
to talk when you can listen. Here's the other one that we need to learn, and this is one that's bad for guys, is learn to listen without solutions. There are times when people just want to tell you what's going on in their life. They don't need you to solve their problems for them, right? But sometimes what happens is when people are talking to us, we're not listening. All we're doing is thinking about how to solve their problem, and we're waiting on them to take a breath so we can tell them the solution, right? Here's how you fix it. Nope. I don't, I don't need you to fix all my problems. There's a lot of my problems I will fix on my own. There are problems that God will fix for me, but I don't need everybody I talk to to fix every problem. Sometimes I just need to tell somebody something. Sometimes I just need to hear the problem come out of my mouth so that I can deal with it. And so we've got to learn how to listen, and, and that's, that's the bread. It's, it's to be consumed. The third thing words are like is words are like a passport. I brought my passport today. And um, as a kid growing up, my parents were missionaries for a little part of my life. And so I've had multiple passports, multiple passports and, and lots of stamps in my passports. It's pretty cool. I love, I love passports. I think they're really neat. And, and a couple of things I, I want to look at today is this passport has a lot of information on it. This passport says that I represent the United States of America, Right. I've got a big flag on here, an eagle, some wheat for some reason. And, um, and so it represents, I represent the United States of America. It also says that, uh, that I am from uh, the state of Louisiana. And so it tells what state I'm from. It, it, it tells my birthday. It tells what decade I represent. So not only do I represent the, the United States, I represent the state of Louisiana at some point. I represent uh, the decade of, of the 70s, just barely, just barely, barely. 70s it tells a lot of information about me if I look back through it tells the places I've gone and and uh you know and and it reminds me of different adventures I've had in life our words are like passports second corinthians 5 20 says this so we are Christ's ambassadors God is making his appeal through us when we, we speak for Christ, when we tell people to come back to God. The word ambassador there means a trusted and, uh, to be trusted and authorized to speak as God's emissary. It means uh, to represent the opinion of the one that they belong to. Now, when I think about it like that, I really want to be more careful with my words. When I think about the fact that my words are like passports, that when people hear my words, what they're doing is they're not just hearing words coming out of my mouth, but they're hearing who I represent. They're hearing that I represent Jesus Christ. Now, if I do represent Jesus Christ, that should affect the words that come out of my mouth. Right? Right? Listen, I also represent the right family. So here's what happens. If I go out and I'm just talking and I'm saying whatever I want to say and I'm just throwing words out willy-nilly and I'm not thinking about the consequences of those words, I'm just throwing seeds all over the place, right? And someone comes and they hear my words. Here's what they're going to think. If they know I'm a Christian, they're going to think, well, he represents God. He represents Jesus. And therefore, his words, these are the words that a Christian says. He's a right. So I guess all rights talk like that. He goes to Gateway Family Church. I reckon all the people at Gateway talk like that, right? He's a man. All men must talk like that, right? 
There's all kinds of things that we represent in life. And we need to be careful with the fact that our words are like passports. They reflect who we represent. And so that's important. I don't like that one very much at all. I would love to skip this point. But I have another verse I want to tell you. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says this. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Let your good deeds shine so that everyone praise your heavenly father. Whenever my words are full of life. When my words are full of encouragement, when my words are full of love, when my words are carried by the Holy Spirit, guess what happens? Everybody listening to my words, they don't just they don't just look at me and say, that guy's a good guy. They think, man, that church he goes to must be really good. Man, that that savior he serves must be really good. They, they begin to associate my words with the heavenly father. And I think that's an awesome responsibility. It's scary a little bit. But at the same time, it's amazing to know that my words carry that much weight and that much power. I was uh, we, we had a little issue recently here at the church, and and it was with our zoning and and property lines and all the weird things. And I can't get into the whole thing because honestly, I didn't do anything with it. Beverly did all of it, and so I don't know, man. I just heard her complain a lot, and so um, so apparently this is so creepy and weird. But apparently there is a cemetery. On our property. Yeah, right? You didn't know that. You didn't know that. But there are ghosts. No, I'm just kidding. There's no ghosts. Um, there is a cemetery. So if you were to go out this door and, and take a right down there in that corner somewhere, there's a bunch of dead people buried in the ground. Yeah, like, I don't know, 10 or 12 of them. I'm not sure. It's a small cemetery. Not a lot of them. But there's people down there buried. And, and, and you can't see it anymore. I don't even know. I think the tombstones are gone. And, and I don't know. It's, it's all grown up now. But apparently on our taxes, on our property taxes, they had us listed as just the cemetery. And not the rest of the property. We got eight acres and they had a quarter of an acre or whatever it was listed as our property. And so anyways, it was a whole mess. And so Beverly went uh, to the courthouse and she's trying to deal with these people and they were just being jerks to her and, and they weren't helping her and they were, you know, giving her the runaround. And Beverly said, Gabriel, I just wanted to say some things to them. I mean, I was just ready to just unleash the words, you know, words are weapons. We'll talk about that next week. And Beverly's gun was loaded. She was ready to just blow them away. And then she ended up getting on the phone and she's so frustrated. She got on the phone and, and, um, and, and you guys, some of you guys know Jake sitting right here. Jake owns Ironclad Wrestling and they've been using our building and, um, on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays for wrestling. And, and so Beverly gets on the phone and, and she's talking to this lady and she's just had it up to here. And, and this lady says, hey, I know your building. And Beth says, you do? And she goes, Yeah. I bring my kid up there for ironclad wrestling every Tuesday and Thursday. I love your building. And Beverly's temper just went way down real quick. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Right? She had to be careful with her words. She had to be careful with her words. Because she, she realized, hey, I represent the church. And this is somebody that knows the church. This is somebody that knows the church. So I got to be careful with what I say. Because I represent somebody with my words. The last, uh, not the last one. The fourth one is this. So, so our words are seeds. Right? Our words are bread. Our words are a passport. And finally, our words are a balloon. I got a balloon here. Anybody want to guess what this balloon is? The number four. 
right? Because it's the fourth point. Doesn't that make sense? Now you get it, Lexi? Four? Do I need to turn it this way? This way? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I got a balloon. How many of you have ever taken a balloon outside in the wind? Anybody ever taken the balloon outside in the wind? What happens to the balloon outside in the wind? Gone, right? Immediately. doesn't matter if you're holding that string tight or not. That thing's gone, and, and it flies. And listen, does a balloon direct itself? No, it does not. What directs a balloon whenever you let it go outside? The wind. This is not rocket science. It's, it's air science, um, balloon science, not rocket science. The balloon is directed by the wind. Just a little note, I can't, I can't even get past this point in my sermon without getting out of the sermon for a minute. So Jesse and Wendy are sitting right down here in the front, and they're my in-laws, and, and um, they bought their child one year for Christmas a balloon. No, no, no. Y'all think, oh, they got her a balloon with her toys. No, no, no. They only got her a balloon. That was it. That was her one toy. There it was. She was so excited. She woke up. She got a balloon. They saved lots of money that year. And I just think that's a good idea. If your kids are real little, just buy them a balloon. They don't know any better, right? They'll be happy with the balloon. You don't have to get them lots of toys. That's how you save money. Um, anyways, I just thought that was a good idea. Oh, he said it was a very intricate balloon. It was a square balloon. It was a square balloon. Um, all right, let's get back. Jump back into the sermon now. All right, balloons. Sorry, if you're new here, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I am dumb. Um, so balloons are subject to the wind. Here's the thing I want to tell you about our words. Our words sometimes can be subject to our circumstances around us. Our words sometimes can be subject and affected by our feelings. Our words can be affected by how hungry we are. Anybody get hangry in the room? Yeah, some of y'all do. You get hangry. Our words can be affected by how tired we are. Our words can be affected by how afraid we are, how anxious we are, how worried we are. Our words can be affected uh, by, by how much pain we may be feeling in a moment. Our words can be affected by our sobriety. Like our words can be affected by a lot of things. And you need to understand that going in. We need to be smart with this going into it. We need to understand that our words can be affected by the things around us. The Bible, uh, well, a couple of things the Bible says. The Bible says that we shouldn't be controlled by our feelings and our emotions, first of all, right? What does the Bible say about the fruit of the Spirit? One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Paul also says to Timothy, he says, listen, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Another way of saying that is self-control. That there's a Holy Spirit inside of you that gives you self-control. So we can never get to the point where we make an excuse for our words by saying, I was just hungry. No, you were out of control. I was just afraid. Yeah, but the fact is we were out of control. And so our words need to come under control, uh, but, but we need to control our words. Proverbs 29, 11 says, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. So what do we need to do? We need to have a couple of solutions. I got two solutions for you. Number one solution, if, you're, if you feel like my words are always being controlled by my emotions, my words are being controlled by my circumstances, I get really mad and I just blurt stuff out, or, or I get really hungry and I blurt stuff out, or I get really tired and I just say what comes off the top of my head. If you feel like you're that kind of person, that your words get controlled by your circumstances, if your words are like balloons being blown by the wind, right? Here's a couple of things you do. Number one, know your weak times and plan around them. 
Know your weak times and plan around them. One of the things that that I have to understand and my wife has to understand and my kids have to understand is on Sunday afternoons, I had just spent the morning talking. I've been talking and talking and talking and talking. And this takes a lot out of me. I don't know why. But when I get home, guess what I don't really want to do? Talk. But it's not that I'm mad at my kids or my wife. I'm not being a a, a bad communicator. I just need some time to decompress because I've been talking a lot. And there's some of you that are like that. You're, you're introverted maybe, and, and, but you're forced at your job or you're forced at your family to do a lot of talking. And you need to understand, your family needs to understand, hey, whenever we get home, I just need a minute to just oh, decompress. One of the things Perry's mom, or Perry used to tell me about her mom and dad was that her mom was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, she homeschooled the kids. So the kids are at home all day. They're with mom all day. They're, they're doing their thing all day. They're cleaning. They're doing stuff. And then when dad came home from work, when Sonny, her dad, would come home from work, Perry said that her mom would tell all the kids, hey, we're not going to vacuum anymore. We're done vacuuming for the day. We're done turning up the radio for the day. They didn't have TV. We're done. They, they all sat around a radio like the big old son. Listen to, you know, never mind. Howdy doody time. So anyways, they, listen, her mom wouldn't let them, her mom would not let them go to their dad and start asking for things. They had to be quiet. They, they had to chill. Why? Because dad just came home from work. He needs some time to decompress. And, and so listen, if you're the kind of person that you feel controlled by your emotions, you feel controlled by your tired, you feel controlled by your words, you know, your words get controlled by that stuff. Listen, build it into your system at home to where you're not going to be the kind of person that does that. Here, here's another idea. Oh, I'll give you another one. Uh, here's another one. Think about this. My dad always had this policy that if he ever had to go to the hospital for any reason, there were to be no visitors at the hospital. No visitors. He did not want a single person to come visit him. It's not that he's antisocial. He is. But it's not that he's antisocial. It was that... He doesn't know what he's going to say when he's under the influence of medicine. And he was like, I don't want people coming in knowing that I'm on whatever medicine they got me on. And I don't know what I'm going to say coming out of anesthesia. Don't let people come into the room. So before they were going to go be missionaries. um, (laughs) My words are not controlled by my emotions. My words are controlled by funny stories. So one day when they were going to go be missionaries. It was a big secret because they hadn't resigned their church yet. So they're still pastoring, but they hadn't resigned their church. And so it's this big secret. Don't tell anybody that we're going to go be missionaries. And um, at the same time, they had these, uh, these positions in the church, these leadership positions. And, and, um, and, and so anyways, so dad goes in and he has to have a routine test done, but they have to put him to sleep to, to run the routine test to go be a missionary. And so um, he told my mom, he said, listen, don't let anybody come in the room. You know the rule. Don't let anybody come in. Well, guess what my mom did? My mom let someone come in the room. And whenever she let, you watch your words. When she let, when she let this guy come in the room, this guy was from the church and, and he walked in and I won't use real names, um, but, but Ted, we'll call him Ted. Ted walked into the room and when Ted walked into the room, dad's just kind of coming out of um, anesthesia or whatever. And, and so he's, he's kind of waking up and he sees Ted and he goes, Ted, I love you so much. And Ted was like, I love you too, pastor. And he goes, Ted, 
I just want you to know, I really want you to be one of the top leaders in the church. Like, I want you to be an elder in the church. I want you to run things in the church. And Ted was all about that life. You know what I mean? He was like, yeah, okay, pastor, I'll do it. And my dad would have never asked Ted to do that. And then Ted, then my dad looked at Ted and he goes, Ted, I just want you to know you're a real butt. He said that. And Ted was like, oh, okay, pastor. About that time, my mom realized what was going on. She got Ted out of the room. And, and uh, of course, you know, the, a couple of days later, I had to go smooth things over with Ted. Hey, Ted, you know my dad. He was under medicine. He didn't know what he was talking about. He didn't mean to call you that or anything like that or even ask you to be a leader. Um, he didn't do any of that stuff on purpose. Well, the funny thing was, my dad comes home from the procedure, and he's at his house, and I'm at my house, and I come over to visit him, me and Perry, and we go visit him, and he's laid up in a chair, and he's asleep, you know. And we walk in, we're like, hey, Dad, we're here. And he goes, oh, hey, guys, how's it going? I was like, Dad, do you know what you did today? He goes, what, what are you talking about? I said, Dad, Ted, Mom let Ted come in the room with you. He said, what? No, Sue, what are you thinking? You know, he's mad at Mom. And I said, Dad, it, you called him a butt. He was like, well, he kind of is. And I said, Dad, you asked him to be in leadership at the church. You asked him to be an elder. He's like, what? No. Sue! I said, Dad, you told him you were going to go be a missionary. Now, that was a lie. I lied 100%. But he freaked out. Freaked out. About that time, we're talking, and we look over, and Dad is falling asleep again. And I thought, what are the chances that he forgot we had that conversation? I said, hey, Dad. He goes, oh, hey, guys. I knew he didn't know what was going on. So I went through the whole story again. Dad, Ted came in the room. What? Sue, you let him. Dad, you called him a butt. Well, he kind of is. Dad, you told him you were going to be a missionary. No, no, Sue. And he dozed off again. If I'm lying, I'm dying. That man dozed off again, woke up and said, well, hey, y'all, I did it to him a third time. It was so great. So great. Words. I told you I get in trouble with my words. The second thing you need to do as far as a solution to that, if you feel controlled by the wind, the second thing you need to do is you need to learn how to find peace before you sow seeds. You need to find peace. Don't sow seeds in a storm, right? Don't sow seeds in a storm. If you're angry, it's not the time to talk. If you're mad, it's not the time to talk. If you're sad, it's not the time to talk. You need to go off and find some peace before you Come in and start talking to your family. Psalm 4, 4 says this. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. In the ESV version, it says be angry. So I like this version a little bit because it says be angry. In other words, anger is not a sin. Anger is not a sin. It's what you do with that anger that can become a sin. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder your own hearts on your beds and be silent. One of the things that, that we've decided in our home is we're never going to discipline our kids out of anger. If I'm mad at my kids because they've done something stupid, I'm not going to discipline them in that anger. Instead, I'll send them to their room and I'll go to my room and I'll have to calm down. I'll have to pray about it. I'll have to think about it. Because there's a big difference in discipline and abuse, but there's a, it, it can sometimes look the same, Right? And so you got to be careful how you discipline your kids. Um, same thing with your spouse. If you and your spouse are mad and you're angry and you're going through something, probably not the best time to talk. Probably need to go take some time apart and chill out, get some peace, and go back in. 
Jesus said this in Matthew 11, and I promise we're almost done. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Souls there is your mind, will, and emotions. So Jesus says, if you're in a storm of your emotions, come to me and let's find some rest. What do I need to do when I'm in a storm of emotions? Instead of talking, I need to go find some rest. I need to go find Jesus. I need to get calm, put myself in a place where I can have a conversation without it being emotional. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says this, don't worry about anything. Another version says, uh, don't be anxious about anything. In other words, uh, when, when Paul's writing this to the Philippians, he's, he's recognizing the fact that there's anxiety, there's worry, there's doubt, there's fear. He says, don't live a life of anxiety and fear. Instead, pray about everything. You, do you mean to tell me, Gabriel, that, that when I'm upset and I need to talk to my spouse or I'm upset and I need to talk to my, my kids or I'm upset and I've got a, a guy that works for me and I'm about to just fire him on the spot, I need to stop and go pray? That's exactly what I'm telling you you need to do. Stop, go pray about it, and then come back. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience, look what happens. When we take time to go to God first, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I would rather speak to Sean out of a place of, of peace in my heart and my mind than a place of anger. Because when I speak to Sean out of a place of anger, I'm going to say a lot of things, I'm going to sow a lot of seeds that I will regret later. But when I speak to Sean in a place of peace, now he and I can have a good conversation even if what I have to tell him is bad, right? Because real life, real life, you have to discipline your kids. Real life, there, there are times whenever spouses have to bring correction to a situation. In real life, there's times at your job when you're going to have to correct somebody. You're going to have to deal with some things. But it's better to speak it from a place of peace than a place of anger. And we find that peace in Christ. The last one is this. My words are like medicine. My words are like medicine. What does medicine do? Medicine brings healing to someone that's hurt and broken. Medicine brings healing to the sick. That's why if you look on, if you look on social media and, and uh, you look on the news and, and you look at all these people that, it's so crazy how the, the world tries to divide our country, you know. They try to divide us red and blue, and they try to divide us black and white, and they try to, to, to divide us Christian and atheist. Or, or it's, it's just constant division, 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 division. And it's funny, like you look at both sides, and both sides spew anger and, 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 and malice at each other. And then wonder why we can't ever get on the same page. Because there's nobody using their words like medicine. When there's division, it's obvious that there's pain on both sides. So what do we need to do as Christians? Where do we fall in that? Do we fall in the trap of just spewing more anger? Or should we be the ones bringing health and healing and hope to people's lives? Proverbs twelve eighteen says this, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. I told you it's going to be a lot of scriptures today. I got a lot of them right here. Hebrews 10, 12, uh, 24 through 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Listen, the writer of Hebrews is not saying, let us think of ways 
um, to, to, you know, get mad at somebody. Let us think of ways how we can, how we can tell everybody what they're doing wrong. He says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. If, if I can motivate you to an act of love and good works, then, then that's going to help you overcome some of the other issues that you've got in your life. I need to bring some medicine in. And let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The last one on this, Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Can I tell you some ways that we can use our words to heal? Learn how to say this. Learn how to say, I apologize. That's a big one. When you can learn to humble yourself and say, I was wrong, I'm sorry. That's a huge way you bring healing to a situation. Learn how to say, I forgive you. Now listen, we know that forgiveness doesn't mean that we forget. We get it like their scars are still there. But forgiveness means I'm not going to keep holding this over your head. I'm going to release you from the pain that you've caused. Learn to forgive. I love how Jesus, so often people would come to Christ for healing and he would say, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because he recognized that healing isn't just a physical thing, that there's some, some spiritual healing that needs to happen. And it happens through the words, I forgive you. Learn how to encourage each other. And listen, learn how to correct each other in love. We do no good to someone by allowing them to continue to do the wrong thing. If I just get up here and I tell you, hey, everything's good. It's all good. No matter what you do, you're going to be blessed. And God, you know, Jesus is your buddy. Uh, We talked about this in my small group yesterday. Jesus is your homeboy and he don't care what you do. As long as you just come to church on Sunday. You're going to hate me. When you get to the judgment and you realize that I just lied to you. So, yeah, there's correction that needs to happen with each other. We need to correct each other, but we need to correct each other out of a heart of love, not of a heart of pride. And so learn how to use your word, because medicine doesn't always taste good. Not everybody wants to take medicine. Not everybody wants a shot. But you do what you got to do to get healthy. I'm going to end with two two scriptures and and another quote. 1 Peter 3.10. Now we're going to have prayer in just a second. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Let me read that one again. Y'all didn't like it as much as I did. I love this one. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. There's an old Jewish proverb that says this. It says we have... Two ears and one tongue, right? Which you've heard people say that all the time. You should listen twice as much as you talk. But the old Jewish proverb continues on. It says, your two ears are open, but your tongue is guarded by rows of teeth and hidden by two lips. In other words, the tongue has the potential to do wrong So it's got to be guarded and protected, whereas the ears should be open to receive. Romans 10.10, last verse, y'all can stand up with me today. 
We're still ending on the power of our words. Our words are like medicine. Our words are like balloons. Our words are like seeds and bread. Our words are like a passport. They represent things. But here's the last one I want to give you. Romans 10, 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified. That's great. That's great. Your heart is what believes and we're justified. But look what the next one says. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Isn't that cool? The power of our words. Not only can our words bring healing to other people, but our words can bring salvation to our own souls. Our words can bring salvation. So this morning, here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask my prayer team guys to come down to the front. And there's some of you in the room today. Listen, you don't need to be embarrassed. But you're going through some stuff. You may be going through a storm today. You may be going through some issues. Maybe it's an issue with your words. Maybe you say, Gabriel, my words have been terrible lately. The way I've talked to my kids, the way I've talked to my my coworkers, the way I've talked to my my team, the way I've talked to my uh, whatever. My words have not been right. Hey, we want to pray with you today. The Bible says you believe in your heart. You believe that God can can set you free from that. And then you confess to one of these guys. They're going to pray with you. They're going to encourage you. They're going to love on you. They're not going to beat you up or tear you down. They're going to encourage you and help you. They're going to love on you today. We want to do that. But maybe you're in the room today and you're saying, I'm not serving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I haven't given him my heart. Yeah, I've come to church and and yeah, I sing the songs. But you know what? I'm not really living for him. I'm not really serving him. I'm just going through the motions. If that's you this morning, we want to pray with you down here as well. And third thing, maybe your prayer today has nothing to do with words or salvation. Maybe your prayer has to do with your family or your finances. Maybe your prayer has to do with, with, with your health. Maybe you're going through something today. Let somebody pray with you this morning. Let's end this day. Let's end this day in victory, not defeat.